Good morning, everyone. It's my huge honor to share my state with you this morning that I really feel was born of God. So I really trust that I'm going to speak to each and every one of you. You know, sometimes we sit in a, a, on, a, on a Sunday morning or evening and we receive a message and you feel maybe 10% of it was for you. What, what I trust this morning is that all of you will receive something. This is my prayer. So I want to, I want to start with a question. And I want to ask you if you've ever been in a position where you needed help. Anyone? Or are you super? Okay, okay. Anyone who's never, ever needed help, please pray for me. <laughs> I need your, I need that invitation. I've needed lots of help in my life. I needed a lot of help with computers. You know, I, I was one of those people who thought this thing is going to explode. If you just accidentally, you know, press the wrong button, my dad is the ultimate anti-computers and technology, he still believes the world will be better off without these things, so I think it must have rubbed off on me. I needed, I still need a lot of help with computers, but I'm, I'm better, right? I'm better, my husband says I'm better, <laughs> he's my IT assistant. I needed help with speaking English, I still do, I know, <laughs> but 20 years ago I needed a lot of help, I needed help with passing my exams at university, I needed help with what I do this morning, speaking in front of you. I needed a lot of help with that. I just can go on and on. There's just been so many things in my life that I needed help with. And what is so amazing about God is He knew mankind would need help. You know, we created in God's image, which is beautiful, but He knew that in our own ability, we're going to hit a wall someday, somehow. Even the most brilliant people on this planet need help in certain areas. And some of us have certain strengths, natural areas where we just excel. But there will always be areas where we need help. We have agreement on that, eh? And I don't know, I don't know what you're battling maybe currently with or what you've, you've needed help with in the past. But as I say, God knew and he made provision for that. And I want to introduce you to someone this morning that is called our helper. And maybe for some of you, you're walking a road with this helper every day on a, on a consistent basis. But maybe for some of you, you know him partially. You know a portion of him. And God, God knew. And this is why he provided something that I want to call a gift. A gift, the ultimate gift. So I want to take you to a scripture in John 14. Most of you would be familiar with that. It says, John 14, verse 16 and 17, And I will pray the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. He will give you another helper. So I just want to highlight to you two words in that scripture. And then I want, to, I want to share with you my experience. That another in the Greek means another of the same kind, one besides me, this is one besides Jesus, and in addition to me, but one just like me. He will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. Have you ever thought at any moment in life, if Jesus could have just been here right now? I thought like that. 
But this is why he left as a gift. One besides him, in an addition to him, but one just like him. And he's the one that would do in the absence of Jesus what Jesus would have done if he were physically present with us this morning. Which means effectively, Jesus is right here. In the same way that the crowds followed him, in the same way that people couldn't leave him alone when he was walking on earth, in the same way, there's someone here with us this morning that is as good as Jesus sitting right next to you. It's incredible. It is incredible. And some of us have, have had an encounter with this gift in a certain way. But I really know that there's more. For all of us, there's more. The word helper in the Greek is parakletos, and that means quite a few things. You know, it's just not, it's, it's not only a helper that will help you to, to do something you can't do. It's far more than that. The word signifies an intercessor. So it's somebody praying for us. It signifies a comforter. You know, somebody holding us when we go through a difficult time, understanding every emotion, understanding every feeling. He's a helper. He's an expert, giving us all the help that we need in every area. And I've experienced this so many times. You know, God is an expert in accounting. He's an expert in business. He's an expert in psychology. He's an, he's an expert. He, God created everything. So sometimes we're battling through our work situation. We're battling through our family situation or parenting situation. And we forget that we have a helper who's a genius. He is an absolute expert in anything that we need to do. It also means an advocate, which, which means he fights for us. You know, when, 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 when there's opposition, when there's something that we can't handle in our own strength, God says, I will fight for you. He's our advocate. He's also our counselor, which means he gives us advice. He's guiding us. He's leading us. He's, he's showing us the way. This is the helper. That Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. That he might, uh, may abide with you forever. So when there's no one around, this helper is around. So I want to share with you my experience. When, when I was 13 years old, uh, I committed my life to God with a witness. Because I always... I was always doubting. I was always responding to every possible opportunity to give my life to God because I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what, what salvation was all about or being born again. I just felt guilty all the time. So I was just scared to death for not going to heaven. So I just kept on responding. So at the age of 13, I had somebody explaining this to me for the very first time. You know, being born again giving your life to God, being born again in the Spirit. So this happened to me when I was 13 years old. This is not what I want to focus on this morning. When I was 16 years old, so three years later, what happened to me when I was 13 was amazing. I had, I had peace for the first time, you know. I wasn't responding anymore all the time because I just knew I had a witness, and I had somebody who explained it to me, and I had peace. But at the age of 16, I had a different experience. And it was new for me, but it changed my life more radically than what I experienced at the age of 13. I was 
filled with the Holy Spirit. I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to illustrate it to you quickly as follows. Okay, this is me. Okay, this is me. When I was 13 years old, this was me. When I said to God, Lord, I make you king and Lord of my life, Jesus, come and live inside of me. I want to follow you. He came and he filled me. He came and he lived inside of me. Okay, this was me from the age of 13 until the age of 16. I had a measure of the Holy Spirit. As my Lord, I spoke to him. I had good times with him. I followed him. He was my Lord and my Savior, and I knew that I was going to heaven. At the age of 16, he baptized me. Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. So what he did, he took my life, and he put it inside of him like that. He baptized me in his Holy Spirit. He filled me with a greater measure of who he is after that. You know, even though at the age of 13 I committed my life to God, I received peace, I still had doubts from time to time whether I was going to heaven. And I couldn't figure it out. It didn't make sense to me, but I still had doubts. The moment God did this, the moment he filled me with his Spirit, I, one of the biggest things that happened to me, I never, ever, since the age of 16, ever doubted again, not for one second, that I was going to heaven. It was this big, massive thing off my shoulders. It was a relief. It was a peace. It was a supernatural peace that filled me. I experienced spiritual growth like never before. And even though I did grow between the age of 13 and 16, I experienced exponential spiritual growth. All of a sudden, I just grew in God like never before. The Bible started making sense to me. And yes, I did read my Bible in those three years. But all of a sudden, when I was reading now, the scriptures would jump off the page. Anyone ever experienced that? You know, it would jump. It would make sense. It would, there would be like a, a spiritual or a... Uh, you know, a heavenly highlight, uh, highlighting scripture to me. I read things that I've read before, and now all of a sudden, I, 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 it makes sense. Any one of you know what I'm talking about? Yes. I started to hear God's voice. It was incredible just to have discernment. This is, this is not my voice. It's not the devil. It's not the voice of people. It is God speaking to me. I started recognizing more and more God's voice. I received a boldness. I was very shy. I would have never done what I, what I do this morning. I don't think I would have ever had the boldness to do it if I was not filled with God's Spirit. I received a boldness. You know, like Peter who denied Jesus three times. He was scared to death. And at the day of Pentecost, when I'm going to take you to that scripture now, when, when he was filled with the Spirit, he preached in front of thousands. He preached, and there were like 3,000 people who came to Jesus on that day. He was not scared. He received a boldness. Um, I had so many questions about water baptism. In, even in those three years, I had so many questions about water baptism. And after I was filled with the Holy Spirit, God himself showed me in the scriptures what I needed to do. There was no questions anymore. I, I was just led by God 
to know the truth, to know, yes, I need to get baptized. I was 17 years old when I got baptized. My mom cried her eyes out. She felt um, she failed her promise, you know, to God that she's going to lead me in the right way because according to her, I was rejecting something that she felt was, was good by getting baptized again, in her opinion. I was sprinkled or um, christened as a baby. And for my mom, she really, she really took that seriously, you know, that on the day she promised she's going to teach me in the ways of God. And according to her viewpoint, her, her daughter is losing her way. So it was, a, it was a very difficult stage in my life, but I was so convinced you see, I was, I was in general a very submissive child. I would have never gone against my parents' will. I would have never let my mom cry like I did in that time without being so convicted of something that is, you know, it wasn't nice. <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant family atmosphere. It would have never been something I would ever done out of my own free will. I just knew that God wanted me to get baptized, so I did. At the age of 17, I did, and God set me free on that day of a spirit of fear. I was always so fearful of what people say and think, and on that day, a peace filled me that just God just gave me a, even a greater measure of boldness, and God turned everything around. My my. My family situation turned around, you know, in terms of my relationship with my parents. They're so supportive of, of what we do now and, and where we are at spiritually. God was so faithful. But what I want to communicate is when I was filled with God's Spirit, I did things that I would have never done in my own free will or my own personality, because my personality, would not to, would, my personality was not to hurt my parents. And in a way, I did in that season, you know, I freaked them out. And it was the most precious thing that God did for me at that age. I also received the gift of speaking in tongues, that maybe for some of you, you're very familiar with it, some of you might not be familiar with it, but I received the gift of speaking in tongues, and for the first time in my life, I could pray without ceasing. You know that scripture in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, it says, we need to pray without ceasing. Have you ever tried to pray without ceasing in English or Afrikaans or any other language? Try and do that. It's not possible. You, you, you will run out of words. <laughs> and you need to pray. When you pray in your own language, you pray with your understanding, which is awesome. We all should do that. But when you receive a gift of praying in a language that you didn't learn, you didn't, it's, it's not familiar to you, you can, you can be very much present in a situation like this and pray in your prayer language and be very much present. You know what I'm saying? So, it's not something that you need to think about, which means you can pray without ceasing. You can pray all the time. So this is, this is my experience. This is what happened to me when I was 16 years old. And I'll be forever thankful for that moment because it dramatically changed my life. And it changed my life for the good. 
it was something I was not familiar with. I grew up very traditionally. It was something I was not familiar with. But God gave me this amazing gift. And I want to show you a scripture in Acts 1 with verse 4 and 5 that give you a little bit uh, more information on this. That is where the disciples, after Jesus died and he, um, he ascended, he commanded them, and being assembled together with them, sorry, it's just before he left, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You know, it's so interesting when, when you're not familiar with certain things of God, you kind of read over the scripture. You read it and you don't read baptized with the Holy Spirit. Because I've read my Bible and all of a sudden, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, these things would stand out and would make sense to me. You see, to receive the Holy Spirit, we need to trust God with all of our hearts. We need to trust that He's good. We need to trust that whatever He has available for us in terms of a gift or in terms of, of um, something He wants to, to add to our lives is good. He's a good Father. We need to come to Him and desire this gift with all of our hearts. You see, some of us are excellent givers. And I commend you for that. If you are a generous person, it's amazing. Some of us need to learn to be good receivers. Really, what, you know, if you are, are one of those people who say, oh, no, it wasn't necessary. Oh, no, really, why did you do it? You need to work on your gift of receiving. Okay, that's a word for some of you. You need to say, oh, thank you. This is amazing. Oh, it's awesome. It's just the color. It's, it's my favorite color. You, you say anything. No, you don't have to lie. But just look excited when somebody gives you a gift. You know, people who really like giving, the most amazing part of giving is thinking what the person would like and then making an effort to get everything together. And if you give that gift... Your greatest, greatest reward is that person's appreciation. So if the person says, oh, no, why did you do it? It wasn't necessary. You blow the giver's bubble altogether, okay? We blow God's bubble. It's like, I have this gift for you. You're going to be so excited. It, it's going to help you in all areas of life. It's gonna, this gift will pray for you. This gift will fight for you. This gift will help you. This gift will comfort you and encourage you. Here it is. You know, and if we say, ah, oh, I don't know, God, this freaks me out. Where can I hide? Where can I run away? It's like, ah, oh, my child, I have this gift for you. It's so awesome. Just give me an opportunity to show you what it is all about. So there's a scripture in Luke 11 that, that Jesus said, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now listen to this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? You know any dad like that? I don't know, maybe there are people like that. I don't personally know them. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How awesome is this? 
You know, if you receive a gift from a person that you trust and it's in a gift box, you're really not going to worry that there's a scorpion inside, are you? No. Or a serpent, a snake. I mean, who's giving a snake to anybody as a gift? But we sometimes have this weird thing that uh, if God wants to give us a gift, it might be weird and awkward and, and um, it's going to freak us out and it's, it's going to be dangerous even. You know, it's going to be harmful. We need to know if you want to have this gift. You need to know that God is good. You need to know that he will give you a good gift. He's not going to give you a snake or a scorpion or a stone. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. And you see, it's, not, it's nothing weird. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. Somebody prays for you. You ask for it, and God gives it to you. And we explain this. I, I don't have time now to go into detail in all the teachings, but we talk about this at our Encounter One seminar. It's next weekend. So if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I pray and trust it's going to happen this morning, but if you need more clarity and if you need more information, because there's answers, there's answers to your questions, you need to join us next week. It's amazing. It's, it, it transforms your life to have information that makes sense. You know, I'm somebody, I need information. Most of you the same. You need information. And yes, we need to believe like a child, but having information really helps a lot. Having, having your uh, questions being answered really helps a lot. You know, there was this rumor in Stellenbosch long, long, long ago. The show started in 1992 among students. Andre and I joined around 95, 96 so there was this rumor in Stellenbosch long ago that, you know, when you go to Shofar and they pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, they put a bucket over your head. Listen to this, okay? I have no idea where it comes from. I promise you we don't do this. But they put a bucket over your head and they hit it with a spoon until you start praying in tongues. I mean, if that is not a rumor, then I don't know what a rumor is. Really? So if there's any rumor like this in town, I promise you, come and let prove, let's prove that rumor wrong. I mean, we will never, ever put a bucket over your head and eat it with a spoon until your brain tongues, okay? It is, you know, I don't know where all these weird things come from. You know, God is a loving God. He will never do that to you. And if there's anybody who does that, send them to me. I'll sort them out, Okay. <laughs> It is just amazing how the devil wants to keep us from receiving a gift that's going to add to our lives. It's going to bless you. It will enhance your life. So I will be forever thankful for the spiritual building blocks in my life. Giving my life to Jesus when I was 13, what a privilege. Being filled with God's Spirit at the age of 16, what an honor getting baptized in water at the age of 17. I was, I was ready. I was ready for university. And I, was, I had a firm, firm, firm foundation. I'm so thankful for that. However, I had to continuously pursue more of God. Because if I left it there, if I think back about my experiences as a teenager... And now, how many years later, I haven't done anything to pursue God. I wouldn't have been where I am today. I had to continuously 
seek more of God. I had to continuously ask for a greater measure of His presence. You see, this is very limited. I don't know how many of you remember my fish tank in January. I had a fish tank. Okay, I talked about we need to develop a greater capacity for God because if this is our capacity, if this is me, it's very limited. So even if I overflow, it's very limited. Very limited. I need to become this container, and then I need to be placed into a bigger container where there's more of God, where it becomes a river, where it becomes a fountain, where it's not small but big, where, where our lives are making an impact. I had to continuously pursue more of God because there were seasons, even though I, I received boldness when, when I was filled with His Spirit, there were seasons I couldn't even speak in a small meeting with a couple of people without stumbling over my words without blushing, without being intimidated. There were seasons in my life where I was so fearful, where I was so intimidated at work, where I was so freaked out by life and challenges and people and circumstances. There were seasons where I couldn't sleep for a long time. There were seasons where I was physically sick. There were seasons that I had to cry out for more of God because nobody could give me answers. Nobody could actually help me, you know, not my husband, not my friends. I was desperate for more of God and Him alone because I knew that is my answer. I knew if this gift and this helper is so powerful, then that is where my answer is. And I had to cry out for more of God. So I'm speaking to two groups this morning. Some of you have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I really pray that you'll be ready this morning to receive this gift. It's a gift. It's not a threat. It's not something that's going to harm you. It's something that's going to add to your life, a beautiful gift. There's another group. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You're actually praying in tongues. You do it from time to time. But you live a dated life. You live a life of a measure of passivity, a measure of intimidation, a measure of hopelessness. You live a defeated life, and you need to cry out for more of God. There's even another group. You, you might be on top of the world spiritually now. And I trust there's a, there's a couple of you this morning. Then you're going to pray for all of us. <laughs> but even you, even if you feel on top of the world spiritually, there's more. There's more of God. We can never come to a point where we say, we have enough. Okay, and it, it doesn't mean you're discontent. It just means that you are hungry for more of God. So how do we pursue a continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit? So now I speak to those of you, you are filled with God's presence, okay? We need to cultivate, and this is nothing new. I'm reminding you this morning that we need to cultivate a lifestyle of spending time with God. We can't Make it every now and again thing when we're desperate, when we're in trouble, when we need help. We can't just run to God when we need Him. We need to cultivate a, a, a regular, daily time with Him. This is how we pursue a continuous infilling, you know? It's like, it's, it's like when we, you know, sometimes we, we receive the gift of tongues. It's exciting, it's special, and then life happens. We forget to pray in the Spirit. We forget to exercise this gift. And I know many of you know this example, but it's like having gym membership but not going to the gym. I'm not going to ask for raising of hands. 
who's got gym membership but not going to the gym. But this is exactly what, it, what it's like. You have, you have access to a place where you can spiritually grow and, and exercise, but you don't go. So if you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you're praying in tongues, you, you have access to this, this place where you can bolt yourself up, but you don't do it. There's a scripture in Jude 20 that says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So that effectively means that when we do pray in our prayer language, we're building ourselves up. You're building up your spirit. This is basic teaching on the Holy Spirit, guys, but we neglect it. We neglect it, all of us. I do. We, we are not spiritually awake and alert because God gives us this amazing gift of praying in a prayer language that's going to awaken and, and uh, um, make us alert spiritually, but we forget. We neglect it. And praying in this language, we teach this all at Encounter One. It's different to what um, Ravon did this morning. He brought a song in a, in a language that no, none of us understand. It's, a, it's in a public meeting. It should be interpreted. All right? It should be interpreted. Otherwise, it means nothing to nobody, which he did, which Andre did as well. What, what I'm talking about is God gives you a language for your own personal growth, your own personal spiritual development. So you can pray in it all the time. It doesn't need to be interpreted. However, I believe with all of my heart, it actually does get interpreted. When you switch over from praying in your, in your uh, heavenly language to, to praying in English or Afrikaans or whatever language you speak, I often think we pray the things we've prayed in the Spirit. Because God prepares your spirit to pray. I mean, how many of you sometimes don't know what to pray for? You know, it's this crisis. You actually, you pray, okay, God, please, please comfort them. Please save them. Please be with them. And now you, you run out of words. I mean, what do you really know about the deepest, deepest core of somebody's circumstances and their emotions and their feelings? Then you need to be able to call upon God and this gift and then pray in the Spirit and then pray in your natural human language and then pray according to what God wants you to pray. It is amazing. It's amazing. We need to live a lifestyle of obedience. You see, God is not looking for sacrifice, but He's looking for obedience. He's looking for obedience. There's a parable in Matthew 25 about the ten virgins. Maybe some of you would, would know about that. There's ten virgins. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. The, the five wise ones had a lamp and they had extra oil. The foolish ones had a lamp. No extra oil. No extra oil. It was so funny. I just need to tell you this quickly. I... I, I um, now that it's school holidays, I need to keep my son busy, okay? This is a really, really um, difficult task, but in any case. Now, I give him scriptures to memorize, and then, um, then he can earn money for that. Okay, how's that for bribery? I think it's the best bribery ever, you know? Okay. He must memorize scripture now. I give him, I give him um, Psalm 119, verse 105. How many of you know that one? Your word is, and look at this. Okay, for those of you who didn't know that one, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your, la your lamb, your, your lamb, 
your, your, word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. No, I really, because I teach it to Vian in English, okay? Now, uh, now I realize I'm ex- I must explain to him what it means because he's, he said to me later, I thought it was like a lamiki, so it's a scorpy. It was like, so he said, no, 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 that's not going to be a light. It's not going to help you. So he thought, no, that's, this is a lamiki. Okay, I'm, I'm totally distracted now. Okay, it, it's a lamb and not a, like a, a little light. Okay, so the five foolish ones, back to my story, had, had a, um, no extra oil. No extra oil. And let's pick it up, verse 5. They were all waiting for the bridegroom. They were all, I believe, you know, it's, it's a complicated parable. It's not a real-life story. It's a parable, something that Jesus told as a story. But he, he was trying to make a point. So they, all ten, were waiting for Jesus. All of them had a, a lamb, and all of them had a... No, so five of them had extra oil. Okay, so I believe the oil and the lambs, it signifies the Holy Spirit. And I believe it signifies that they were actually born again. So I believe these people were on the right track. Okay, verse 5. While the bridegroom was delayed, so it took a bit longer than what they anticipated. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming Go out to meet him. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. If you read the next scripture, it talks about Jesus. You know, eventually they got the oil, they got to the door, and Jesus said to them, I do not know you. It's a quite a scary parable for me. And what, what I get from this is that one encounter with the Holy Spirit might not be enough to help us to endure until the end. This is what I get from this. Okay, one encounter of the Holy Spirit might not be enough. Our love can grow cold. We can become passive. Uh, we can actually not make it. Okay, and this is what I want to highlight to you this morning. Sometimes people have an experience 10 years ago, but they haven't continuously pursued more of God. So their love has grown cold. They, they, they have no extra oil. And their lamb can go out any moment. Now, I was... I was subbed by Tess. I asked her if I can, I can share this. When we did our last Encounter 3 course, she was, she was um, ready to sign up to be a facilitator, which she often does. And I want to commend her for doing that. She's facilitated at all our Encounter courses. She's one of those people who's really keeping her lamp burning, and there's extra oil. There's lots of extra oil, I believe. Part of her life. She was going to facilitate, and then she felt God say to her, I want you to do it as a participant. She's a mature believer, she's a leader in church, and she said, Yes, God, I'll do that. She attended um, Encounter 3 as a participant, even though she's a mature leader and believer in our church, and it made such an impression on me. You You know why we call our encounter courses Encounter 1? Encounter 2, Encounter 3, and not Course 1, Seminar 2, 
whatever three and whatever four, it's, it's because it's an opportunity to encounter God. It's effectively, if you want to compare it with this parable, an opportunity for us to go and buy extra oil. Not that we pay for the Holy Spirit, okay, don't, don't get me wrong. Just comparing to this parable where, where the wise said to the foolish, go and buy extra. Go where you can find more oil. And our encounter causes is an opportunity for us to buy extra oil, to fill ourselves up. Some of you have done in, our encounters five, six, seven years ago, and you've ticked your box. And now you feel, please leave me alone. I've done it. I know all this stuff, man. I really know. I can teach it myself. Then come and do. Come and facilitate. You know, if, if you don't need to sit in and experience it again, I want to encourage you to come and facilitate. It's effectively and ultimately the best way to grow is to facilitate, is to give and not only receive. But some of you should actually do it again. And I, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm just saying this to encourage you to make use of the opportunities we have to fill yourself up with God. We need to live a lifestyle of obedience. I was so blessed. You know, by Tissa, just wanting to facilitate, you know, which is already amazing. And now God says, no, I want you to participate. And she says, yes, God. I mean, for me, it is, a, it is an e extreme precious example of somebody who walks in obedience to God. It's amazing. We need to have an aggressive pursuit. Last one. I'm going to close. We need to have an aggressive pursuit of God's presence and His holiness, which means we need to live a consecrated life. What does that mean? If we live a consecrated life, we need to make tough choices sometimes. What does that mean? It means... If everybody around you watch a certain movie, if everybody around you watch a sport nonstop, if everybody around you play computer games, but it interferes with your pursuit of God and His presence, you need to say no. Now, I remember watching a 16-language movie at university. I still don't know why I did it. I went with my roommate. My, my exposure to movies at that stage was very limited. And I obviously didn't know what I was in for. And halfway through the movie, well, actually pretty much from the beginning, I felt sick. I still remember it to this day. I mean, the actor, bless his heart, I'm not going to tell you it was, but I still remember. <laughs> I, I've, yeah, yeah. I've, never in my, I've never in my whole life heard somebody swear that much. I was... I felt sick, and not only swearing, using the name of Jesus, I felt sick. I'm still thinking about it when I cry about it. So, now my roommate is sitting next to me. She's happily watching this thing. And, you know, I know I'm going to embarrass her if I walk out. And eventually I just couldn't. I couldn't anymore. And I walked out. I said to her, I'm so sorry, I can't sit here anymore. You know, and for me, that was such a wake-up call, and I decided... Never again. I don't know what your boundaries is when it comes to entertainment, but I want to encourage you to not tolerate anything that, that interferes with your pursuit of God. You know, and, the, and, and I know some people tell me, Sonica, but it doesn't bother me. 
I understand that because we're all maybe on a different journey with God. Well, let me rather say I partially understand that. But if we never in our walk with God will come to a point where we feel sick when somebody is using the name of Jesus in vain, then we need more of God in our lives. We need more of Him. And I know there's a journey. There's all of you in a different, in a different um, uh, place in your journey. So we grow into this. I mean, I went and watched this movie. I still don't know why, but I did. And in the last two years it was coming out, I was not willing to do that anymore. You know, there was this Afrikaans movie. Let's leave it there. It was something I really wanted to see. But then I saw they had age restriction for sex in the, not a, not a uh, high one, but there was something. And I just decided I'm not compromising because I have my value system that over the years have actually um, grown into a, even a, a tighter and a, a more narrow, I don't know what to say, but um, you know what I'm saying, eh? Even, even stricter boundaries. So I decided not to watch it, and I recently spoke to a friend of mine who watched it, and she said to me she can't get that scene out of her head. She so regrets that she watched that movie. And I just realized if we want a continuous infilling of God, we need to make tough choices sometimes. You know, we had people recommending movies, like to me and Andre, even years ago, before we were in East London, recommending to watch this specific movie. And after 10 minutes, we switched off. So it doesn't mean that if somebody is okay with something, you should also be okay with it. Okay? Because there's a call on your life. And there's, a, there's, there's something on your life that is more valuable than sitting through a movie with a, one, an Oscar, you know? So it, it's not, it's, you don't have to watch every movie you want an Oscar. Let me release you from that obligation. <laughs> you know, you're not going to, don't have FOMO. If everybody talks about this Oscar-winning movie reward thing and you know you shouldn't watch it, stay away. Stand up for what is right. Even if you are the, I've been so unpopular so many times. I've been so the spoil sport so many times when it comes to movies and entertainment, but I'm not willing to compromise on, and feeling sick, you know, when, when I know the Spirit of God is not welcome here in this, in this setting. But I sit here and laugh or enjoy it. I can't do that anymore. If we want more of God, we need to live a consecrated life. It means we need to make tough choices sometimes. I mean, I'm just going to give you a quick reward, you know. Yes, we need to make tough choices, but yes, there's a reward where the sacrifice and the and the whatever you're giving up is it doesn't you don't even feel it anymore. You know, it doesn't even bother you giving up anything. We live from a place of peace and rest. You know, peace is the one thing everybody craves. We all crave peace. We just want peace. <laughs> We just want rest. You know, life becomes a joy because we live from a place of peace and rest. We live a natural, supernatural life. Which means in your family, in your relationships, in your finances, in your workplace, not struggling by your own strength. You call upon somebody that is able to help you. You know, so the gifts of the Spirit, which we also teach in Bible school, um, and at other events, 
the gift of faith, the gift of healing, gift of miracles, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Do you know how much we need words of knowledge, words of wisdom in our workplace? We need the Spirit of God to lead us. This is what happens when, when you become full of God's Spirit. You, you live a natural, supernatural life. It doesn't even feel supernatural. It just becomes so natural, doing the things that God's... Um, have available for us. We live a life of breakthrough because you see, breakthrough is not on the outside, it's in the inside. So, when we are continuously filled with God's Spirit, we live a life of breakthrough on the inside because God empowers us to handle challenges, He empowers us to rejoice in all circumstances and to move mountains. Okay, it doesn't mean that everything around you is all good and all easy, but inside, you are okay. You're not only okay, you're flourishing. And the last one, we are empowered to witness. We're empowered to witness. You see, ultimately, when we give our lives to God, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, it's awesome to have a helper. It's awesome to have somebody to assist you in everything, a friend, a comforter. But ultimately, there's people out there who have lost hope. There's people out there dying not necessarily physically, but they're dying spiritually. And we are supposed to be their hope. We are supposed to throw out that, that you know, lifesaver. We, we're supposed to be the lifesaver and to throw out something that they can hold on to. But if we're not even coping ourselves, how can we do that? This is why we need to position ourselves in God in such a way that we have something to give, that we have the boldness to speak and we have the boldness to actually witness, to call people in, to bring them in. And this is also a very natural, supernatural way of living. You know? It's sometimes it feels so natural, but God leads you supernaturally to witness. See, imagine the impact on us as individuals when we embrace this. Living a life of empowering, of breakthrough of peace inside, no matter what's happening outside. Imagine us as a church embracing this. Imagine us as a church being a city on a hill, being a beacon of hope, being, being a place where people can come where they've lost hope, where they've lost their peace. It is an incredible opportunity to live a life that makes sense, that's, that's as a meaning far beyond your own dreams. That is actually what gives life meaning. When we live a life that is beyond our own dreams.